You are listening to the Gentleman Scofflaw Podcast. Listener, beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way. Well, I still got time to save my reputation. Time to go day drinking in this dirty little town. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Cough Law Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Crowder. Co-hosting with me in person, as usual, is the Don, Donovan Fowler. Wipe that smirk off your face. And <laughs> joining us all the way from Jordan is uh, uh, author uh, Walker Lamond. We've had you on the show before, a favorite uh, guest of, of you know the past couple of years. And uh, you worked on a, on a documentary about the New York Dolls. So I thought this episode would be perfect to have you back on for. I'm happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. um, how we're let's start off with a little a uh, little housekeeping here. Uh, what do you got there, uh, Walker? What do you what do you what do you got in that glass or that? Uh, you caught me drinking uh, a a beer called Caracale Blonde Ale. This is uh, this is made by the one and only microbrewery in the country of Jordan. Wow. Uh, started started yeah. a couple of years ago. It took them a few years to get permission from the government to make alcohol. Wow. Uh, but it's pretty good. I got to tell you, they've got a sweet little brewery up in the hills. We've gone up there and spent the afternoon. Caracale, good That's beer. Awesome. Find it in your local uh, fancy beer place. <laughs> I wonder if, can we, awesome. I wonder if we could get it over here. Is it, you yeah? could probably find it. I think someone someone's importing to the States, but I don't know where. I asked him about it once, and he, he, he said he was trying to get into a few cities. But okay. you guys love your beer so much over there that I'm sure some fan of this show is now yeah. going to make it their mission to bring Caracale Blonde. Yeah. Sounds like United something we'll have to check off the list. Bring it to some hipster LA uh, yeah. Yeah, pub It's here. really good. It's really good. I know nothing about beer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that I like it. Um, and, and here I've got, uh, this was actually, this was a Valentine's day gift that I just cracked open here. Uh, it's an old Forester, uh, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It's, uh, where is it? I guess it's made in Kentucky. I haven't had it before. So obviously somebody it? did get to it before, but this is my first time having it. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm so sure Lacey, somebody gave you, I'm, I'm sure lady scofflaw used this oh, to make I a see. mixed drink. I see. I, I thought somebody <laughs> gave you a half, half filled no. bottle of bourbon for Valentine's day. That would be, and seems cruel. I've also got my, uh, Stanwell billiard brush pipe and in it, I am smoking some, uh, tobacco junction, uh, from Longview, Texas. This is their chocolate mousse blend. So nice. All right. Um, how are your guys' weeks? How, what are you guys up to? My week's been great. Yep. So, uh, spring has sprung over in the Middle East, and um, it, which means we have a small window before it becomes unbearably hot. And uh, I took the chance to get out in the uh, the great green hills of Jordan and uh, did a little hiking today, did a little camping out, nice. had a nice time. Uh, it was great. That's awesome. Coached a little Little League baseball yesterday, and we actually had camels in the outfield. Wow. I saw that <laughs> yeah, on your Instagram. We should post a link to that and people can see that. that yeah. Was pretty we're, cool. we're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're like living, living the cliche over here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, how about you, Donovan? Uh, oh man, just coming off of a weird, like, you know, you know, you get those like weird colds that aren't allergy related and they're like the third one you've gotten in like, you know, four months. Yeah. That's you know what, what you need to try off of. probiotics. 
Yeah, I, well, I, hear. I, that, that, I, I, I started the week off. I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to have honey and yogurt. And then I saw a box of Apple Jacks in the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the office kitchen. Playing and foiled. I, I, I was like, that seems healthy enough. Why not? Just add a little coconut milk to that. Um, what but, exactly are probiotics? Are they, I, I, are they're they good for your I, gut? I, like, are they that much better than amateur biotics? <laughs> <laughs> they they went to they 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 have a degree. That's yeah. that's yeah. that's the main yeah. thing. Yeah. They made it to the bigs. They yeah. they did their they did their time in the minors, and now the probiotics. Yeah. Yeah. They're really the best. They're yeah. the best in their business. Yeah, no, exactly. no camels in their outfield. That's, <laughs> that, Definitely that, not. That's their motto. But uh, but yeah, I was on my way over here actually, and uh, you know when uh, Google Maps tells you that it's avoiding a delay and it leads you right into an active crime scene investigation what's with all these crime what? scenes that have been happening to us lately i don't know man i i uh i i was like it was like i was going down wilshire and then all of a sudden it's like you know the entire block is blocked off and you got the chopper hanging out overhead and you got to find a different way but you know what it only cost me three minutes so yeah uh, all, all's, good. all's good with the world. It was a gr- and you got a great story for the yeah, podcast. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's, uh, uh, I got a little bit of uh, looking at the news here. Um, have you guys heard of this thing uh, that's been going around? You, you've got kids, Walker, so maybe you've been aware of this. Yeah, have you 18 heard of, of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a, a whole baseball team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you heard of this Momo challenge that's been going around this kind of this kind of everyone's scared about this Momo challenge. Have you Momo heard of this? Challenge. Oh yeah, man. Momo is Momo is uh global. Yeah. Momo Momo challenge uh struck fear into the schools even in Jordan about a week and a half or two weeks ago. Um I, I you know I moved around the world and uh, I got friends in a lot of different parts of the world and they all were WhatsApping, have you seen Momo? <laughs> And, uh, I asked my kids, I'm like, what's, what's the deal with Momo? And they, uh, they of course came home and said, yeah, that's so over dad. Like that, <laughs> that was, that was like 60 hours ago. Like we've moved, we've moved on, but yeah. yeah. So Momo was this, from what I gathered was a very weird picture of this like chicken lady that some Japanese makeup artist created or something. And yeah. this image is pretty terrifying, whether I don't know if it originated on 4chan or whatever, but what's amazing about it is that um, this panic started that if your kids were watching like the Wiggles or some YouTube video or Minecraft and uh, someone would slip this image of this chicken lady into the video and the kid would immediately go insane (laughs) and like start jumping off roofs and stuff like it's like out of some horror movie. But what's what's funny is that I think, and so all the schools got paranoid and the, and all the schools started sending letters home being like, you got to make sure your kid doesn't see Momo. Like make sure you watch and see what they're watching on TV. But what's funny is I don't think it ever actually happened. I don't think anyone ever saw the Momo picture. Just the idea of this pop being possible was enough to scare schools into this panic. And the panic itself 
then caused people to start slipping Momo pictures into videos. So <laughs> Jeez. It was, oh my God. it was like, it was like the tail wagging the dog. Like, uh, <laughs> no. it, was, it was, it was amazing. But the only ones that seemed to keep their cool about it were the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh man. Well, I, They're I like, I've seen a lot worse shit on the internet. Believe, <laughs> yeah, me. believe me. This little chicken lady is nothing. I, uh, yeah. I mean, she is genuinely terrifying looking. Have you seen it? I've never, I haven't seen All it. All right. Let, I'll pull this up for you. Um, I usually can myself up to date with oh wow <laughs> it's, all, yeah. it's like something out of it's like something out of tim burton's uh yeah it's don't look nightmare. at it too long man don't look at it you're gonna start strangling yourself or something <laughs> yeah I'm gonna, you know what? i'm gonna go up to the roof really fast for a smoke <laughs> apparently uh the artist uh felt so bad about uh these kids thought you know thinking these kids are going crazy he destroyed the sculpture Wow. He just destroyed it. How did Momo he is no the, more. How did he destroy it? I don't know. There's no details. Oh, he, he should have filmed it. He should have like made it a big thing. Yeah. It would have been good for his yeah, uh, social but, you media. Know, once, once these 4chan chat groups get a hold of this stuff, it's out of your hands, man. It's like yeah. Pepe the Frog. Slender. You know? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the guy who created that little frog guy is pretty psyched that it's like <laughs> He's become the mascot, mascot for the Nazis. <laughs> you know, it's like you put that on your Wikipedia page, you know, like so in the first line of your obit, like the creator of the mascot for the modern Nazi party. Like, <laughs> sweet. Thank you. I thought I was making a cartoon. Frog. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That would, that'd be pretty terrible. Yeah. I don't. I could imagine somebody using something I made. In the internet is a is a strange and wonderful place. It is. It definitely is. Uh, I saw this other um, article uh, here. Uh, UK prison smells a rat and finds rodents stuffed with drugs. I guess people somehow sneaking drugs. Sneaking drugs in via rats. Yeah. Interesting. I don't, I don't, you know, but though, if you're ever going to, if you ever need someone to catch a rat, yeah. a, a drug addict who thinks there's drugs inside that's that a rat, good point, yeah. that's a pretty good that's, plan. Yeah. It is. You don't need, you'll never need a cat for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. Like if you have a rodent problem, you could just go down to Skid Row and be like, dude, I've got these fucking mice and they've got drugs in their butt. <laughs> and then you just let them, just open the door and just let these dudes Get all of the mice out. It'll take like two minutes. Yeah. And then they'll just go smoke rat down the street. Yeah, you just <laughs> you'll have a pretty pretty successful extermination company on your hands. Yeah, somebody using yeah. a rat bong. It would be Yeah. <laughs> God, that's a that's an image. That, that that and the chicken lady now in my head. No, this is um, this is this is uh it's gonna cause some don't listen to this episode before bed, yeah. people. Just uh <laughs> your dreams will be Although it's almost bedtime for Walker, for us we're drinking in the middle of the day. He's a, he's actually the end of his day. Yeah, we're living up to our theme song over here. Oh, um, that's okay. I had this other. I saw this other article here um, about a bears in a rush in Russian zoo actually predicting the Ukrainian election results. Okay. It's pretty uh pretty interesting. You you ever these, had a- <laughs> these bears now get a do they get a uh, consulting uh, consultant uh, credit on they're, CNN? They're like what's what was the name of the guy? Nate's is it Nate Silver? Was it was uh, that maybe <laughs> what was the guy Wait, that was always predicting elections? I feel like maybe. Nate Silver was it. Maybe I there, thought it was a, a some nun. No, was, she's going <laughs> to pick football games. <laughs> <laughs> There's also that octopus that was predicting the World Cup. So these bears have definitely taken it to taken it to a taken new level. level. They're like Whoa. I remember my buddy married this Russian girl. He actually met her in person. He didn't hire her on the internet or anything, but he <laughs> married this Russian girl 
And uh, she didn't speak any English. And she came to New York and I met her. And, uh, and I was trying to ask her, he, my friend's translating, said, what, you know, what's her opinion of Americans? And she, in her broken English, just said, you think there are bears everywhere in Russia? <laughs> and, we were like, and we were like, no, I don't think any American thinks there's bears ever in Russia. But what's funny is that like a couple of years later, I flew to Moscow for their wedding. And I swear to God, I got off the plane and like 12 hours later, we're going to this museum and there's just a bear sitting in front of the museum, <laughs> like drinking a beer on a leash uh. with like some some dude staying next to it being like, do you want to touch this bear? And I was like, no, no but I like to see that there actually are bears everywhere in Russia. Yeah. Gosh, I always, I almost and now always, predicting politics. Yeah. Did you see what kind of beer it was drinking? Maybe we can plug it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's called vodka. vodka. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I'm a, I, I don't know. I've been always terrified of bears, like living in California, but I don't think I've ever come close to one. Like people always say, when you go camping, you got to be careful about bears. You got to, you know, have a bear proof, uh, it's, container. It's, and I, I think, uh, I think you're, it depends on where you are. If you're in Northern California, yeah, but not necessarily in the LA area. I don't know. I mean, I was thinking the same thing about sharks. And then I went down the rabbit hole last night reading about all the, uh, all the documented shark attacks in, in, uh, in LA and, and just in us in general. And I was like, yeah, I'm never going in the water again. I was like all these sorry sacks. They, they, they decided that that today was a good day to take a swim. And then they just. got devoured whole but that being said yes bears uh you know i feel like uh they're out there man <laughs> they're out there i see coyotes all the time and they sometimes they circle me when i'm hiking and i'm like what a, am i do i just look weak like what, what's, yeah. what's happening? <laughs> they're like is that man they've sensed babies? you they've picked you out of the of the herd they go oh we this one must be injured yeah. it's it's <laughs> definitely possibly diseased we'll, we'll get this one <laughs> yeah exactly oh man yeah what i was i i went early in the morning like two saturdays ago at the little the little turf up the street and was 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 doing some some work out there and they were just they kept they were circling the track i was like what yeah. gives what maybe they were trying on? to get maybe they're trying to get their laps in maybe, maybe. Trying, to, trying to get those miles. Yeah, at least you didn't have to uh wrestle a baby panther or whatever that guy had to oh, do yeah. That. oh yeah that was right. weeks Same. ago he like he, i love i love that uh, story because the first the, the story broke and it was like this dude single-handedly wrestled and killed this giant mountain lion and then like a week later it comes out i was like all right so it was like a cub it was like a kitten and it yeah, scratched yeah. him pretty hard <laughs> and, then, and then i just had this image of this of this guy like choking out this kitten <laughs> on the on this path like in his full patagonia kit like you're not gonna get me today <laughs> And it ended up being uh, Siegfried. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. Too soon? Too soon? Uh, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> um, all right. You know what? Uh, let's go to a little segment we like to call... Listener Mail. All right, so uh, this is the segment of the show where we interact with you, the listener. Um, you could interact with us in many ways. How can they do it, Donovan? Uh, I'm not 
very social media savvy, but I know there's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know, we've Those done 40 episodes MySpace and you're just recently confused at this my, I know that MySpace recently deleted, like, I think everything before 2015 that was on there. So I don't know if MySpace is the best place to, to, to find anything these days. But yes, I think Facebook, they were doing Instagram, us a favor. I think, yeah. I think they said... If you still have stuff on MySpace, yeah. I'm just going to do yeah. your favor and I'm going to get rid yeah. of it. Yeah. Because all, trust me, you don't want it. They all, all the, condoed it for everybody. All, all, the, all the millennial <laughs> politicians were, you know, thanking their lucky stars. That, you know, yeah, exactly. the, the, all their emo music and, uh, you know, what whatnot. Did you ever have a MySpace profile? No, I went straight to Facebook. Did you have one, Walker? No, no. no? I But, I mean, I was of that age, but uh, I was already probably too old. <laughs> I had a I, I had a one from my band and I also had yeah. one from myself and yeah. I had uh, Beyonce's uh, music playing on there just to be ironic. I thought it was funny. When people well, land on my MySpace page. It was Beyonce. That's uh, um, very, very, very ironic. Oh, uh, uh, the irony. You can interact with us. You can leave us a voicemail at uh, man eight one scoff, or you can leave us a review on iTunes. That helps with our search rankings and it also gives us something to do on the show. We love reading your reviews. Um, what does that first one say there, Donovan? <sighs> it says, that was great. Five stars. Five stars. I always think it's six, but no, it's five. Um, by uh, S.W. Graham. A great opening, and the organic exchange is really cool. The Catholic that gives up liquor for Lent is a quitter. Quote, <laughs> God is not pleased. <laughs> Good show, gents. I think I think that's I think that's biblical. Just Quote, God is out. not pleased. <laughs> uh, you know, these proddies out there, they <laughs> always hating. <laughs> yeah, <so laughs> ever, ever since 16, uh, whenever Martin Luther left the church. <laughs> so, yeah, we've been, uh, you know, we've done a couple of episodes since uh, Lent has started. And we're a show that seems to focus on liquor and or tobacco and uh one of the co-hosts is not even partaking i know i know i got two weeks left so (laughs) hit me up you know hit me up after the 21st i think that's when easter is yeah and then and we'll be uh we'll we'll have some catching up to do let's put it that way (laughs) catching up yeah (laughs) is that how it works that, you know, you you could just have free reign after. Is yeah, that, sure, go um, crazy. Okay, I'm Irish, so <laughs> Irish Catholic, so you know the, the Pope. Yeah, the Pope well, gives also, special... I mean, that's like that's like Mardi Gras, right? You get Fat Tuesday, where it's like you got to drink as much as yes. possible so you can make your you, hangover yeah. last, like at least the first week of Lent. It's like hibernation, basically, <laughs> yeah. so that the withdrawal takes you know around forty days, and then you're good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then you're good. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I'll read that next one there. Uh, this one says, a nice opening song from Stationary Hobo Productions. He oh, says, oh. I don't know why, but I chuckle at your opening song every time. I listen when I'm driving, so I always find myself craving a beer, but can't. One day, I'll listen to you on my back porch. Yes, please don't drink and drive. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> I really Do listen to our say, podcast. Okay. I really thought he was going to say, one day I'm just going to crack that beer on my drive. One day I'm just going to go for it, you know? Yeah. It's what they used to call in back in the day a roadie. A roadie. Uh, yeah, like, uh, what was that movie I was watching recently? Triple Frontier. It's a Netflix movie. And Ben Affleck just, you know, he's like, he's like his buddy. They're like two ex-Special Forces guys. And he's just like, you want a beer? He's like, yeah. And they just drive and drink. And it's never addressed in the movie. <laughs> it's just like, this is a thing. I, actually, I kind of respected that. I was like, at least they don't have to turn this into <laughs> a PSA. But still, probably, you know, 
Yeah, people should be Ben Affleck, I feel like it would have been a PSA. Usually he's a PSA kind of guy, it seems. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Have the you more, seen his the, back the tattoo? The more you know. The guy's no, a walking oh my PSA. Gosh. That, that <laughs> What's back his tattoo? back tattoo? I haven't it's, seen it. The guy's a, a walking PSA. It's, it's a, like a full back color Phoenix. Yeah, it's like a Phoenix it be rising. It's a poster for look, like, you can, don't get tattooed you can, drunk. <laughs> you could look it up right now. Just type in like Ben Affleck back tattoo, but it, it's it's worthy of its own segment. It's like... I think he originally said on a uh, talk show that it was fake for a role. Yeah, because he was embarrassed because he yeah. was getting totally rolled on it uh, online. And uh, so yeah. he was embarrassed. He's like, shit, now I got to say it's fake. And yeah. then he's like, well, now I've, and what's, now I got to own it. Yeah. Which, what's hilarious to me is that this was, this isn't like an anchor you got on your ass because you were, pa- you were yeah, blacked right, out. Right. That dude, that dude spent some sober hours week after and week getting too. that thing done. <laughs> and at no point was anyone like, Dude, this do you think maybe idea. the giant phoenix is a little much? <laughs> also, also just the fact that, you know, you're you're an actor. And I mean, granted, like they can do amazing things with CGI nowadays to cover stuff like that up. But like just you, you're you're really kind of limiting your range there when you get your entire back tattooed with a rainbow you think phoenix. He pictured himself like Sean Penn and Mystic River like he would just have this like maybe wait did Sean Penn have a back tattoo in yeah, Mystic like River? Yeah, like this huge like cross kind of thing or something. I think that was in wait, are you thinking of uh what was the other one? I haven't seen Mystic De River Robert De Niro in uh, Cape Fear. Yeah, Mystic River is what when, when Sean Penn's no, looking for his murdered dog. There, he oh, does have a does. tattoo. Maybe you're it's right. Like gigantic He's like on his he's back. supposed to be kind of a Boston yeah. gangster. But- Maybe. Okay, so like some kind of giant crucifix on your back, something that says I'm a tortured soul, right, I get. Right, right, right. But when you look at Ben Affleck's Phoenix tattoo, <laughs> it looks like he put the Fruit Loops toucan on his back. Yeah. Like it's, it's all like multicolored. Yeah. It, it it looks like he just got out of the circus and like someone like <laughs> yeah. threw a big like a water balloon of paint on his back. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing yeah, I ever seen. Not, not a good look. And I, by I the way, apologies that. if the tattoo artist is a big fan and they're listening right now. <laughs> It is exquisite work if asked to do that work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen those pictures of uh, the like compilations of uh, Ben Affleck just looking sad and smoking like in all these different different yeah, parts of yeah, Hollywood? Yeah. It, it, it starts to be, <laughs> I hate to be the downer here. It starts to be less funny though when you realize that he's like, you know, now like a full-blown alcoholic. So <laughs> it's like, I, I, I remember that meme like coming up and it was funny, but like now, I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of research and it's like, I, I feel like the guy's had a rough couple of years, but that being said, still responsibility for your back tattoos. people. <laughs> yeah. You still have to own that. So, you know, that might even be a tenant of AA. You yeah. have to own your back tattoos. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's go to a quick break. And we're going to be back with uh, Jesse James Miller, the director of the Punk series on Epic. So we'll talk to him for a little while. Gentlemen, 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 I wanted to take a moment to tell you about this year's Big Shave Southwest event. What is it, you ask? Well... It's an awesome annual event put on every year for shaving enthusiasts. The event is run by our good friend Douglas Smythe over at Phoenix Shaving, and it's basically like the Comic-Con or the Vans Warp Tour of shaving. Uh, All your favorite traditional men's grooming products and vendors under one roof. Donovan and I have gone uh, the last couple of years and uh, always have a great time. And this year, we will be recording a live episode of the Gentleman's Golf Law podcast right there at the event. And uh, maybe... 
just maybe I might shave my beard. But you didn't hear it from me. And uh, best of all, guys, admission for this event is free. So go ahead and mark your calendar for the weekend of April 27th and join us in Phoenix, Arizona for all the festivities. For more information, go to BigShaveSouthwest.com to find out more and make your plans. You won't want to miss out on this, guys, and we can't wait to see you there. All right, I'm really excited to have this guest, um, director of the the documentary series on Epics right now, uh, Punk, uh, director Jesse James Miller. Thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure, man. Good to have him. Good to be here, and let's let's have some fun. Yeah, I uh, I first heard about the documentary i was driving around uh, la and saw the big uh the big posters everywhere um for the series and i um you know growing up as kind of a punk rock uh kid and you know still into punk rock even as a as a grown grown adult um i was really looking forward to it and so um i mean i had it was such a great great documentary um, and, uh, yeah, I'd like to, before we get into that, let's get a little bit about your background, you know, how you got into filmmaking and were, were you in the punk before this documentary? I'd love to know more. Um, God, no, you know, like I, I'm a self-made filmmaker, got a really strange background, um, been making films for about 20 years now, so I'm getting up there, but, um, I, I don't want to bore you with the details of my background because it's, it's kind of strange and twisted, <laughs> but most, most, you know, decent filmmakers, uh, don't come out of the room with a camera. So, um, I was, uh, offered this gig because I didn't really come from the punk world. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And they wanted, a, they wanted my perspective from a, from a different angle, even though, you know, there it's not a, a lot of the stories that we tell are not even completely unique to the to the fundamentals of of the punk world. But I come from jazz and I come from that kind of world, and I didn't know a hell of a lot of of. I mean, I I you know I'm 48, so I I grew up in that kind of era. Um, so I knew more about the third and the fourth episode we did. But the first two, I didn't, I didn't grow up in that world. So it was, it was a, it was, it was a great experience and very, very, um, well, it, it, it just blew my mind. The more that I sort of opened up these, these stories and these people and talked to these people and, uh, it was, it was quite illuminating is the best word. Yeah, you you talk to so many people, and like it, it's like all these legends in one, you know, in in one documentary. It's so it's so cool to see them all in one place. Um, so that's interesting that you didn't have much of a background in punk, uh, you know, before then, uh, before doing this. I I feel like in punk, it's probably in every music, but in punk music, there's definitely like kids get in, you know, newer punk music and there's definitely this reverence for, you know, the, the, the old, the original punk music. So even like kids nowadays, you know, that are listening to what, I don't know what the the latest punk music is. When I was in high school, it was like Green Day and MXPX and Mm. Blink-182 and all those guys. But, um, there's definitely this kind of love and respect for the originals. Um, 
I, I want to know like when in, in distilling like 40 years of music history, like how did you, how did you start that process even from the outside, not knowing much, how do, how were you able to kind of navigate that? Well, it's a good question. It, it was very, um, we did a lot of prep. We, we had a writer's room. We set up, I set up a writer's room. So, you know, it was me and, and, and three or four other writers that, that, uh, that were vastly more knowledgeable than I was in the history. So I was asking the tough questions usually in a conversation like, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> who, who cares? Um, you know, um, coming from a different angle. So we really beat the bushes. Um, of course, punk music, punk music, the history of punk is contentious. Whoever you talk to. Yeah. Um, so our angle was the American angle, which was Iggy pop, right? So some people agree with that. Some people don't, that was our, our angle. And that's what, how we set sail on the, on the ship. Um, so, you know, episodic, it's an episodic, it was four parts. You know, I knew that going in, I knew it was four one hours. So, so you start breaking it down and you start really hitting the writer's room and we spent a lot of time in there sort of beating out each episode before we even started figuring out who to talk to and stuff like that. So it's a very, um, sort of as a showrunner, you kind of, it's the same, same, um, it's very, it's just like an dramatic episode. It's no different. Documentary doesn't need to be treated with, uh, you know, uneven gloves. It can be sort of manipulated as much as you can. I mean, these are real people, so you still need to tell the stories uh, organically. But it was an episodic sort of fundamental yeah. that, we, that we imposed on it. Yeah. Well, I loved how how intentional it uh, the series is in terms of the way you break it down, I mean, and and the fact that you have kind of the American. Uh, origins and then you hop over the pond to England and then you've got the eighties hardcore stuff. And then the kind of the nineties and, and skate punk mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. It's, it was really, I think it was really clever the way it's broken down. Um, I also just love the way you shot it. Like the interviews, they look cool. Like that's not always the case in a documentary, mm-hmm. you know, they just <laughs> they look great. Well, I mean, you, you know, I come from, I didn't get too much into my background at the beginning, but I come from the old doc school. I also come from the dramatic pool. So I, I, I'm a hybrid kind of filmmaker. So I, I go back and forth between fiction and nonfiction all the time. And I don't know if it's, it's not unique at all anymore. There's lots of us doing it, but you know, I started off, you know, 15 years ago doing that. And, and I always sort of come with an aesthetic that, that I don't really, I believe this bullshit that documentaries have to look like crap. Yeah. I just, I just think it's, you know, and the technology is, is it a place now where everybody can, can get their hands on a red, you know, not everybody, but I mean, everybody has the ability to light. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 and it was important. It's important for, I don't want to say my brand, but for network entertainment, the place I was doing this for, um, they pride themselves on, on their look. So it was, it was a big deal. The couches was just an idea that I had, um, couches and warehouses. 
with no set design. Yeah, it was super it was just, cool. It just, see, it just seemed punk to me. I mean, I don't know what punk really, really, if you distill it down, is to every, it's different to everybody. Yeah. But for me, that was like, I can't interview somebody in a, in a chair with in somebody's living room, you know, it just yeah. seemed wrong to me. Yeah, definitely. And I, what I want, this is kind of off subject, but how did you find so many sofas with buttons in them? <laughs> they were like, every sofa had the buttons. Well, in well, we had art directors in each city that we worked in. So, so they would send me, um, they would send me, uh, you know, examples on, on, in a PDF and I would pick them and, and we had a style guide. So, I mean, the more we more interviews we did, the less we had to search. We we'd go back to the same city and rent the same fucking couch, right? Yeah. Um. So sorry for swearing there. No, but, that's uh, right. <laughs> no problem. Very just, uh, just, yeah. Just this is uh, this is Walker. Uh, I was really uh, I was really enjoying how much you got these guys talking, and and uh, I know that some of these characters. You know, they God, they, um, you, you got to imagine they've bombard, been bombarded over the years with like, you know, interviews and trying to get them to tell all their stories and stuff. And I've seen a lot of punk documentaries, a lot of music documentaries where a lot of these same guys, these these characters, they they're either hesitant to talk because they're tired of it or, you know, they're if they're being interviewed by someone who's from the punk scene, they kind of resort to this like this like shorthand where it's like, if you're not on the inside, then you don't even know who the fuck they're talking about. Like, Oh, you know, and they're using first names and they're jumping all over. And you're like, if you're, if you're new to the scene or you're younger or whatever, you don't know who Johnny is. Are they, who are they talking about? They talking about Johnny Rotten. They talking about Johnny Thunders, you know? And, and, um, I I really enjoyed that because look, I've been on the other side of the, um, some of these guys myself, I've, I made films with the dolls. I know Sylvain and Don Letts and these guys, and they're not oh, easy cool, people cool. to talk to. And, um, no, no. and I was really impressed. I was, I'd love to hear, uh, some of your experiences talking to some of these guys, especially someone like Johnny Linden. Like, how did you get Johnny rotten to be? I mean, he loves to talk. Don't get me wrong, but he was really open with you and really like sweet almost. And, and how generous he was with his, uh, with his talking. Well, that's a great, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, it's, and I hate, I'd have to break it down like this. It's just experience. It's just, I've done, you know, hundreds of, of interviews with high profile people in the past. So, I mean, that's another reason why I was sort of picked for the project because, uh, my take was to, to break down all the barriers before the interview even began. Um, now you bring up Johnny Lydon. That, that's a different animal. That's, As he says, hey, did anybody give you a hard time? Did anyone like, oh, fuck off. I don't have time um, for this, right? Not really. Not really. I mean, uh, these people blew me away. You know, you, you mentioned um, a couple, Sylvain, who is just an amazing person and so genuine and, and so giving. Yeah, uh, Don, Letts, Don Letts just, you know, has a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, he's just a legend and a, and a worth and, uh, just so much knowledge there that, I mean, it really comes down to your preparation. I did a lot of prep for each interview and I was very, very, very organized and articulate in, in what, you know, you don't just, it's like throwing a, 
a weak jab out to Muhammad Ali is going to knock you out, right? Right, right. That's that's how it works. So Johnny was the only interview that started off kind of tense, and then I just outweighed him, and he just sort of kind of understood that it wasn't a contentious interview. That right. That's how he goes in, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's lots of stories that were left on the floor, unfortunately, because of time that uh, that I would have loved to have in the film, especially with Johnny. I mean, but I mean, I think it all starts with Iggy, to be quite honest. He was our first yeah. interview. And he probably brings um, a lot of cred to the project. Like when you, you call these people up and say, exactly. hey, I'm working with Iggy and they go, oh, well, all right, whatever you need, right? That that's that's exactly nailed it. That without Iggy, there would be no film. There would be no series. I mean, Iggy Iggy was everything. He was such an amazing interview, such an amazing person. Um, from my perspective, but from a business and from a from a uh, um, episodic kind of uh, you know let's get involved perspective, that was massive. Um, and that's really because of John Barbados and Derek Murray, because those guys, as much as people, you know, talk about John just being a, a fashion guy and what's he doing in punk and how dare he buy CBGBs, it's all bullshit. Right. I mean, he's 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 a genuine guy who who knows his shit. You know, yeah, so. I'm sure he's a good dude. And I, you know, I, I, you know, you hear anecdotes about people and I'm sure he's great. I was so curious when I was watching this though, like, did any of these personalities, these legends, did, did any of them like cringe when you say, Oh, also Varvados is involved or are they kind of above and beyond all that? I mean, sometimes I you mention they're... that name with this crowd and they might go, Oh, that guy, the guy that, you know, makes converse and bought CBGBs or whatever. Yeah, I think, I think everybody's getting back to what I said earlier, like maybe I didn't articulate it well enough, but it's, these people are super intelligent. The counterculture people are not fucking around with, with, with these kind of like, you know, sort of layered kind of thoughts. They know that they, they know, they know their shit, you know? Yeah. So John, John is actually, he's, he saves CBGBs, and if you go into the store, it's actually like a museum for the for the genres. It's quite fascinating, actually. I I, I didn't know anything about this shit, right? Like, yeah, I walked in, and I was like, but it blew me away. His shop, and yeah, it's I you know, actually I don't want to, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he did a service. He did a service for the for the genre. In my opinion, I mean, yeah. I don't want to go too too into detail with that, but. He he's um, I mean, if Iggy is cool with him, then everybody else is cool with him. You know, right? That's sort of how that's sort of how I saw it happening. No one was ever really. You have to remember too that these people are they're looking at at life in the rear view now. They're not they're not in it. They're still in it, but they're not in it like they were before. So their perspective is a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember um I I as a punk rock teenager, I my my Mecca was going to visit CBGB's um and I that was like um, just a you know a, a big moment in my life as a teenager. Um and then when my wife and I went to New York after we got married, um 
I remember going looking for it, and then I found like like you said that kind of little little museum and tribute to it. It was super cool. Like I thought it was a really cool little 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 thing he ended up doing with it. But um, yeah, I I mean I can I can see the other side too. You know, yeah. like I, it goes both ways. But anyway, Iggy was the was the foundation for for the whole series. Really. Did you get to go down and visit him in Florida? Yeah, we were we went down to Miami and and interviewed him there and He's know, got a whole little studio there in his place, doesn't he? Yeah, we didn't go to his sound stage because we we um we stayed away from interviewing people in their in their in their spaces. We traveled yeah, that's everybody. Cool. That's cool. Got it. That's really cool. Um so um were there any sort of um interviews you wish you would have gotten for this documentary that were that that um that either weren't around or just you weren't able to get a hold of or well just really nice (laughs) yeah yeah if he was alive yeah um for sure there we did we did 61 interviews you know like in in and we didn't have a lot of time to make the film so um you know it was just I can't really think of anybody off top. I mean, there's a couple of people in the, in the clash that would have been nice to do, uh, you know, some pistol stuff, but I mean, Terry chimes actually came, came through. He, he was great. Um, uh, I can't really think of anybody off top, off the top of my head. I think, um, Oh yeah, I would say, uh, and I've, sorry, what's this? Nirvana, um, the germs guy. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Pat, Pat Smear. Pat Smear. Oh yeah. I kind of yeah. wish that, that we could have talked to him. Yeah. He knows his stuff. He's, he's been around a while, but you got yeah. legs, man. And legs, legs is he's, you know, if there's a gospel of punk, it's legs, right? I mean, he's the, he's the, yeah. if you read, <laughs> if you read, please kill me, you know, like, that, in my opinion, is the best account of everything. I mean, it's firsthand, but it also has that. It's got some showmanship to it because legs is legs. You know, he probably probably wishes he was in one of those bands. But um, I, I yeah, always legs thought- was a complicated guy. He was he was complicated, <laughs> but but he was well worth the uh, the get. Um, yeah. He he's a he's he's a sweet guy. Down down deep down, he's just a sweet guy. And knowledgeable. His book is totally knowledgeable. At the same time, I mean, you know, it's an angle, right? So, like, yeah, all these books that I read had, you know, similar stories, but it's kind of different. You know, I, I don't think there's any ever been in a genre that has more revisionist history in it than punk music. I mean, <laughs> well, true. It's interesting. It's interesting because you know, a lot of these guys had very short careers. Not a lot of them made money. So, in a lot of ways, yeah. you know when you're retelling the story, you've got to make sure you've carved out the chunk for yourself because all you've got left is your legacy, you know? Um, and you know, if you didn't make any dough, but you want to be part of that story, then your version of the story is going to be, you know, the dolls angle and the doll scene or the Max's scene, or it's going to be the mud club or whatever. And, um, you know, I, or it's been told wrong or it's been told wrong in their opinion. So a lot of people were, into telling it quote unquote, right. Oh, that's you know? cool. So that, you know, that I think that's also a, a, an angle 
that has befallen a lot of these people is that especially the pistols, right? Like <laughs> yeah, Johnny wanted to get it right. Like he, he was like, I, I'm not doing this interview unless I get to tell it my way, yeah. you know? And it's like, what are you going to tell him? Like, no, no, it didn't happen that way or, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And I, so that was just, it, it's again, what I said earlier is a lot of these people are looking in from, from the rear view and they're, and they're, they're, they're softening They're, you know, yeah. um, uh, in episode three, when, um, the shocking moment for me was when, uh, John Doe said that Penelope's film was, uh, in retrospect was after bashing it at the time was, was right in the end, you know? So a lot of them were able to see it in a different perspective, which was quite, quite an amazing thing to, to be a part of. Definitely. Yeah. Well, they're like a, they're, they're like a survivors group at this point. I, sometimes yeah. you get the sense that they're all just like, you know, it's like an AA meeting. They're all sitting in a circle being like, well, I guess we're the ones that made it, you know, uh, it's, uh, well, it's great. So there's, there's that also, kind of trench camaraderie there. There's also like Don Bowles, right? So you, you got all different types of people walking the earth who, who came from that, that area. My, my favorite, my favorite, and I, uh, a lot of people know about him now, but Ian McKay is just like, just everything you would want in a, in a, in a conversation, you know? Um, he's a really good example of staying true to the, the form of what punk is to, to him, you know? Mm-hmm. Not changing. Yeah, well, I grew up in D.C., so he's kind of a saint where I come from. <laughs> yeah, uh, I bet. For, for better, for worse, you know. I, I mean, everybody loves you. You can't walk around D.C. and like, you know, you, you have to. Everyone just walks around going, "I love Ian. Do you love Ian? I love Ian. Do you love Ian?" Like, <laughs> especially if you're in the music scene, like, you know, you, you'd never want to seem like you weren't uh, Team Fugazi. No. But. Um, <laughs> But but for all the right reasons, like you said, you know, he's the DIY like saint. Um, but, you know, I, it's funny, you know, I, I was telling Jordan earlier, like, I'm so glad to watch this because I, you know, I don't know as much about the later stuff. I'm not that old. I'm, I'm just I'm probably closer to your age. And uh, but I grew up like I was first exposed to the Ramones by watching Rock and Roll High School. And 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 I think listening to Joan Jett was my first like punk experience. Mm. But then I, so I definitely came out of like, and then, you know, the Ramones and then, you know, you get older and you were listening and I was listening to Iggy Pop and MC five. And then I discovered the dolls. And to me, the dolls are like everything. And I ended up spending some time with the dolls and filming their reunion in London. And, and, um, oh man, I had, I'll tell you, I had this great experience. Morrissey decided he could, he was going to program a show in London and, they said, you can get any band you want. He goes, I'm going to go get the dolls back together. They hadn't seen each other in 25 years or something. <laughs> so they put together this show in London and they, the dolls get back together. And Arthur flies in from this library at the Mormon church in Utah where he's been working. And Sylvain comes in and uh, they play this great show. And uh, Jesse, the backstage of this show was basically your doc, the first two episodes of your documentary in the green room. <laughs> like, yeah. It was Mick Jones was there and Don Letts was there and Shane McGowan was there and, uh, and Chrissy Hine 
And wow. everybody was there because it was like, holy shit, A, the dolls are back together. B, like, what a great opportunity for us to all see who's still alive. Uh, <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. But so that era is how I always came to punk and loved punk. And mm-hmm. as soon as and, – and the thing that I thought that all they, they – what they had in common is that no matter how rough their music was, it all swang, man. It all had a swing to it. It was like – in a weird way, it was still kind of fifties music, you know? Yeah. It was, it was when the music, uh, it kind of like turned into like, like a rugby match and like it, it got that kind of male aggressive, violent edge to it is when I kind of tuned it out a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know as much about the later stuff and I'm, I'm psyched to learning about it. Yeah. I mean, that was a big, um, you know, you're sort of brushing on something that, that I worked hard on in the episodic arc of, of the four, the four one hours. And basically was watching the, 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 um, the continuous, um, how do I explain it? Whenever punk music came to the mainstream, it got beaten down back into the underground. And that's that. If you watch the, the series, um, carefully that's sort of what happens and it really comes to fruition in in episode four so the people you're talking about all tasted some success and the reason why they're in the in the back rooms uh at that event is because it's exciting you know um yeah and and what happens in episode three with the violence and the commodification of, of, of punk music is, is really interesting. Uh, I, I hope people see, I mean, the one thing about the, the series is, is a jumping off point really for people who don't know, you know, a hell of a lot of punk. Um, it's not necessarily for the aficionado who, who knows everything because they probably get bored, <laughs> you know, cause they just do that. Well, well, I disagree. I, I think it's yeah, fun I, to watch. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's. Bored, I think it's. But, but I know what you're saying. Like it's. It's. I love all that stuff so much. Anytime I see one second of archival footage that I've never seen before, I go crazy. I'm yeah. like, holy shit! I've never seen yeah, that classic yeah, yeah. before. <laughs> you know, I'm. I'm one of those like archival footage nerds. So I'm like, I know that footage, but I haven't seen that frame. Like I've seen that scene yeah. footage, but it's been totally cleaned up. Like where did you get yeah. that? <laughs> so that yeah. stuff's well. There is something it, it, for everyone. It, yeah, there is something for everyone. We, we, we um, punk music is just, it just, uh, you know, there's another area that, that I would bring up to, 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 um, add to, to your musical kind of, uh, prelude there is that, um, lyrically it blew me away. Yeah. I mean, the germs, <laughs> what Darby crash was actually singing about was like crazy shit yeah. that was not being talked about. So, I mean, it, it opened up, we didn't, we try to get into that, into, into the lyrics a little bit into the series, but it's really hard because, you know, it, it, it's just hard, hard. You got to sort of slide it in there like a little cayenne pepper and then keep on moving. <laughs> Yeah, lyrics you know. is like once you start going deep dive, it's like uh, yeah, you might, it's like oh, you're God, talking thirty hours like, later. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, to be quite honest, sometimes the the S and P people 
would get a little bit nervous when we showed too much of the lyric. So, I mean, it, it, it was on all sides. Right. But, um, yeah, the, these people are just, uh, and getting back to Ian McKay, I mean, what really was the importance of Ian McKay for me was not just him, but it was for, to the bad brains. Right. Yeah. And, um, I had talked to Dave, I'd seen, uh, highway, girls uh series when when uh, i saw i think it's episode two or something when he does it on dc yeah and that was the first time i heard about the brain so i i kind of when we were in in um sorry when we were in um prep i was like we gotta get the we gotta get the fucking bad brains that's <laughs> all i know i i just know we need to get them because i saw this unbelievable part on on dave's series and uh, I actually talked to Dave about uh, on camera about Bad Brains. He was such an amazing guy, man. Yeah. I mean, if you talk want to talk a, about talk a generous guy, like if uh, basically all you have to do is ask him about anything that's not his own band. Like he will talk about all his favorite bands. He's you know he's like Springsteen. He's like a total music nerd, and he yeah. loves everybody else. He just wants to talk about how great the brains are and how great all these bands are. It's he's fun as hell. He's yeah. cool. Well, he he also I mean he I only had a half an hour with him, which was which is uh, was was still a gift. Um, but you know, like talking about Nirvana with him was. You know it's touchy, right? Like it's it's, it's yeah some yeah. heavy shit. It's some heavy shit. So Definitely. he was able to 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 go down the road. I I and we did it gently, and he he took it where he wanted to take it. I mean, that's that's my job is not to is not to be an asshole about something that that uh, is really means a lot to somebody, right? Yeah. But um, anyway, Daryl Jennifer was definitely my favorite interview. Oh, nice. Of, of, no kidding. Yeah. Why is that? Just because he's such a good guy. And he just was so... He he bounced around into areas that that I sort of pushed him into, but he went, the way he bounced into them was just genuinely just excitable. It was just his, his level of excitement of life was just like... And his wife was sick, too. It was just a terrible time for him. He came to us, which he never does. He came into New York for us, and we were supposed to go to him. And so he he just pulled out all the stops for that interview, and he just he just you could feel it in the interview. And and there's a few of them in the series that are like that, that are just really like just in the moment kind of interviews that that are special. There's quite a few of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I just to touch back on what you're talking about too with uh, Nirvana. Um, I really love that take on the on the in the fourth episode where you're talking. Nirvana comes up as kind of as a, this idea that they open the doors for like punk music to come into the mainstream, and I've never seen that angle on that before. And I, I don't know. I thought it was super cool. Well, that was a writing room kind of moment where I think that's my generation right yeah i I grew i live and grew up in vancouver so seattle to me is like my backyard um and that was something that uh 
we worked hard on in terms of making that a signpost and a story moment because it, it the more in, investigation and deep dives we all did as writers was like, yeah, that really blew it open. And, and so now that's, that's on paper. That's what you think is right as a writer. Yeah. And then when you get on the road and you start interviewing people and you bring this up to them, they're like, yeah, that's totally what happened. And then you're like, holy shit, we were right. <laughs> because you could you could write whatever you want until somebody says that it doesn't exist, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so um, it was unanimous as a as a moment for all those people that and suffer, you know, um, uh, bad religion. So, yeah, um, I guess it's I... a complicated time in 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 the in that. You know, in ninety, ninety one, ninety two, there's a lot of shit that goes down to to break punk. Yeah. So it's very is intricate. I, it doesn't I, seem like it on when you watch it, but it is. I really liked your interview um, with with Fat Mike. No Effects is kind of I, I, he's a little bit previous my generation growing up. I would you know listen to them a lot, um, but just like you'd think, like his normal kind of attitude would be like just talking about, you know, mainstream punk being bullshit and all that kind of thing. But like, he's genuinely like talking about all these big bands, like, you know, green day or whatever, talking about how like these guys are talented. They're not selling out. They're just playing the music they were always playing. And like, you know, kudos to them. They were able to make it work. Well, that, that, that was really big. Well, he's a fantastic uh, interview by the way. Um, um, but that was really because, you know, my, my, and the and the writers on the show, we really did a deep dive in that fourth in that fourth episode to like how long it took Green Day to break, yeah. and how long it took how long it took Offspring, and how long it took No Effects, and how long it took Bad Religion. I mean, these bands pay their fucking dues, man. I mean, yeah. I've been on, I've, I was a musician. I was on the road for four years and never saw the light of day. I mean, I, I know a lot of bands that, you know, remember fishbone. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. no one remembers fishbone. I mean, they're <laughs> I on the, some I think they're, record somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're still on the road, I think. Right. Like there's bands that just never, never get that moment. And, and, and you can't take it away from them that they, that they work that hard to get there. And that was a real important point to make with Green Day, in my yeah, opinion. And, pay, and in paying your dues for bands like this, man, you got to play in some rough places. I remember I, I was living in Berkeley back in the 90s, and I remember uh, there used to be a club down there called the Caning Room. I guess it was maybe it was like on the edge of Berkeley in Oakland. And uh, that was a place Green Day used to play a lot when they were way before they had broken out. And I remember going down there for a show. And I think we got to the front door and looked inside and we were like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think. And we were, we were, you know, we were young, carefree guys that had nothing else to do. But we, I remember looking at the front door and being like, you know, I just don't feel like getting my lip busted tonight. So, <laughs> I mean, so even in the nineties, yeah. when, yeah. when po punk had supposedly like live, died, live, died three, four times over, like these clubs were no different than they were back in 75. Like, they were shitholes and there were uh, fights holes, and the yeah. music was loud, you know? And if you're playing there every night for four years before you can sell an album, like that's paying your dues. Yeah. Definitely. 
I remember. Yeah, I mean, and and that that speaks to DOA right there, right? Those guys, Jesus. I mean, I, I went to the DOA house for for uh, for a party once, and I just was like, "Holy shit! People live like this. What is going on?" Um, but yeah, I, I, it was a really important uh, story point to make that these guys didn't just break out and how, how hard and how Nirvana kind of opened the door for that. That was really important. So you grew up in the kind of Pacific Northwest, right? Right. And you must've been right in, right in that Seattle scene. Were you ever down there in Seattle? Were you seen any of these bands live? Yeah. I saw Nirvana at the Commodore here. Wow. Um, they, they, they play small, small venues and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of in a weird mode growing up, so I didn't really get into anything, uh, heavily. I was just afraid. Um, um, I was a hippie kid from American parents who, uh, who, who kind of resisted the draft. So I kind of had a weird upbringing in, in, in that, that way. So my musicality was very, uh, intricate, but safe, like classical jazz and, and, uh, jazz is not safe at all, by the way. I shouldn't have said that yeah. it's, safe cause it's, <laughs> it's, it's so far away. You know, I come from the Coltrane kind of, you know, Wayne Shorter, Dexter yeah, Gordon sure. kind of stuff. Um, so I, I did see a lot of those guys play. They were phenomenal at the time and, you know, still are, you know, um, one of the great things about the series is to relive a lot of the, the music of, of those times. And, and, uh, you know, listening to old Nirvana albums where it was just, uh, just so, it's so good. Yeah. I know. It's so good. I mean, it's you know, so it's, funny. Like, I don't get it. I don't do it that much anymore. But like every once in a while, it's like a Nirvana record finds its way on. And my wife and I will look at each other and we'll like, we'll just think like, holy shit, this stuff still holds up. And it's still so holds, still good. Yeah. It still so holds good. up, man. And, and I, the funny part is... Uh, to to cross over here is I have a 13 year old I have two sons and I have a 13 year old who who's a drummer and a singer and he plays in a in a band and and uh they covered uh Teen Spirit that's amazing <laughs> it, it must be playing like Buddy Holly for him you know <laughs> it was just like it was just like holy shit I, I remember seeing him at the Wise Hall and I'm just going like oh my god what is happening but it sounded so good, you know, like not, not because not saying that they were great or anything, but just the music and, and just these young people playing it with that, that energy level was yeah. just, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Is there any of this music you think, I mean, what doesn't hold up? I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, the, I'm watching the first couple episodes and the, most of it, I mean, any of the Ramones and, you know, any of the clash, yeah. I mean, that stuff obviously is holding up, but I wonder if there's any of it that just sounds really dated or just doesn't work anymore. 
Hmm. I didn't find any of it really. Uh, I mean, I, I, I find the new wave stuff didn't hold up. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I think the, I think the instrumentality, is that, is that even a word? I mean, <laughs> did I just make up a word or what? I don't know. Um, but then you got guys got vampire weekend that are ripping off the talking head seem to do pretty well. So yeah, yeah <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's the most shocking thing to me was that, and I, uh, Eric Moran, who was a creative producer on it, who we travel a lot together, we kept on saying, "Man, this is this stuff is so good." So, like one of the things that I did for everybody was play them certain songs, right? Yeah, that was really cool. Um, the record player and yeah, playing it real time. And so, every, and I had a playlist. It was all very systematic and story oriented, and had to be about very specific songs because we had licensed them, etc. And there were story points. but but uh i didn't i didn't get fucking bored of it 35 32 shoot days and the whole crew was we had the same crew so mostly and uh you know when we were setting up for our four hour lighting calls you know like we would play the tunes and we loved them you know yeah i mean I, it's, I still think like, uh, I mean, we can, a Nirvana album can slip on or a doll's record for me. And I mean, I'm, it's as fresh to me as the first time I heard it. I love it that much, but are there people sitting at home slipping on like a Gigi Allen record and being like, Oh, this stuff is the greatest. Or I, I don't know. I mean, like who, who else would like, I don't even know if like, can you even, I mean, I don't know. I know there's like agnostic front fans and there's, you know, and and they all have their reason for it. But sometimes the sound of some of this music, I don't know if a young person like your 13 year old kid would listen to a Gigi Allen record or an agnostic front record and go, or basically any, any of the kind of like cookie monster singing punk rock and go, Oh yeah. (laughs) Like this is what I want to cover. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that's a good question. I, I think for for me, uh, unfortunately, because I didn't, I was sort of a jazz head, and I didn't come from the the the, the genre of punk. I, I was I kind of had horse blinds on, horse binders on, you know. Like yeah. I I kind of had. This is the stories I'm trying to tell. This is this is the, the the group of songs. So I didn't I didn't do massive deep dives into areas that I didn't want to go. So that's all the stuff that I. Yeah, so all the stuff I had in the playlist, you know, my son came to one of the shoots and um, um, he was like, he loved it. He he loved the playback stuff. Um, it's hard to know. It's it's punk music. Punk music is tough, man. Yeah. That's why we did the film on it because <laughs> you know it's it's not accessible music. It's just not. Yeah accessible so i hope that people too yeah and i i mean that's one of the goals of the series is to is to to say hey remember this and maybe you should go look into it a little bit more and and check these people out and read some books about it and listen to to some of the music you know because it's important yeah definitely well i guess you could answer the question is punk dead Well, no, I mean, it's, it's like in horror and crime watch and, and, uh, those bands that we sort of quickly highlighted at the end there, they're, they're all over the place. I mean, we were 
flirting with doing more shooting of modern bands. We just didn't have the time or the budget at that point. Yeah. Um, but they're out there, man. And they're, they're doing some crazy shit right now. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, it's not something that I have the energy in my life to go out to a gig and, and go to a warehouse right now, but it's there for people to see and go to in every city. Yeah. Right. So punk lives best when it's underground. So it's definitely underground right now. And it, uh, in my estimation, it should stay there because that's where the most creative kind of movements come from. And, um, you know, you don't want to get too sing songy about wrapping up a series, but there's a lot we can learn from the genre for sure. Yeah. You know, Wayne, wait, go, go talk to Wayne Kramer for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus, I'm sure he's, he's, he's still will blow your mind. Right. I mean, that guy's, well, that's he's, a dog he's, waiting to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna, well, actually watching him, and because my, my wife didn't know as much about MC5, and or she didn't know she knew the music, she didn't know that how political they were and, and how they were as much a political group as they were a music group. You know, like mm. they were they were really living their message. You know, I mean, there's plenty of musicians that will sing about this, that, and the other, but they're not actually. I mean, there's plenty of rappers, I'm sure, out there that are singing about this, that, and the other street life, but they're not actually going back to the neighborhood and slinging rock or whatever. And uh, I mean, the MC5 were like, you know, step off the stage and right into a riot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we uh, the most the most um, heartbreaking cut in the whole series for a time, unfortunately, was the White Panther section that that we had built. That's funny. So I was just mentioning that to Colleen. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody I mean, they founded it, it right? They, they founded the White Panthers. Well, um, John did. The, um, John the manager Alistair. did. Or Sinclair. Uh, John Sinclair did. Um, he was sick, unfortunately, when we were in Detroit. So, and he's gotten better since. So, thank God. But that was the biggest heartbreak for us in episode one was having to cut that. So, like that was my point is that. It's a real good jumping off point, but you can go into any of these stories and do more of a deep dive and find a lot of shit that's like, what? Like, right. go check out the White Panthers. and <laughs> <laughs> It's just like crazy, yeah. right? Really yeah, and especially, especially if you start, um, which I think a lot of these performers or musicians were doing, as long as, especially when you start defining punk more as a shared aesthetic, um, not necessarily like, Hey, every song has to have this song structure and not even, you know, I mean, there's some attempts to say it was like, a, you know, there's some fashion elements, but ultimately it was about this kind of shared desire to, you know, both rebel and express themselves in a certain do it yourself manner. And once you define punk like that, yeah, then it starts to encompass all kinds of things. I mean, you're talking about new music, like you know, who knows what kids are down in their basement making music or in a warehouse. And maybe it doesn't sound at all like the Ramones, but it's certainly punk. Yeah. Then I think that's the point of the, the whole film. Yeah. The whole episode. And you, you got that across. That. I mean, it's not about playing three, three courses about just going out and fucking doing it. Like Dustin McKagan says, like, let's go ahead and do it. We, he I think he says something like, we didn't know what we were doing. We had no idea, but we, we had something to say and we just went out and did it. 
you know, go rent your hall and go do it. And that's what punk is, right? And that's what, that's why you should go talk to people like, you know, Wayne Kramer and Iggy and Ian Mackay and Daryl Jennifer and all these people because they're really inspiring. Except when you get them all in one room at a at a Q and A. It's like herding they, cats. Do they like snipe at each other? Do they fight for attention, or do they all just like shut up because no one wants to look like the person who cares? Well, did you did you see the thing that went viral with our our premiere in L.A.? Oh, you got a little fisticuffs happening, right? <laughs> well, almost. Johnny went off for twenty minutes, so. <laughs> well, while like legendary, legendary uh, panel was sitting there just going, what? Henry, <laughs> like, Henry Rollins. Oh, wow. Um, well, to be yeah, fair, no. there's never been a documentary that Henry Rollins didn't want to be in. So <laughs> that's true. But, you know, in, in, I'd put in, Henry in, and Johnny in, in a ring together and let them talk each other to death. <laughs> but the, the thing about Jello and, and Henry is you can't leave them out because they're so fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah right. no, for sure. But that's that's why that's why Rollins is in every documentary because he he does get it across. He does, and I think he can do it. He did it for us in, a, in an interesting way. He, he's uh, he's he's quite a guy. I mean, I didn't know that he he had social anxiety, which I have that as well. So it was it was great to meet in the dark hallway and go hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you got. I got to take my. Yeah. What's that? I say I know you got a heart out here in a, in a minute. So I. I <laughs> well, sure. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Jesse. And uh, I mean, we could close out right now. People want to find you or watch the show. How, how can they do that? Uh, watching the show is is streaming on Epix right now. I don't know for how uh, how long that is. Quite quite some time, I think. I think that's the only place that I know where we can watch it. Um, me, I've, you know, I'm just a enigma, just keep on moving around like a ghost. So hopefully, hopefully you'll see me pop up doing another film soon. You got an eye on um, another, on your next movie yet? Just my couch. <laughs> All right. It has buttons it was, on it too, I, I'm sure. I, I did, uh, I did a feature, an independent feature called rabbit. Um, I did. I am prior feature documentary and I did these for one hours and 16 months. So I just, oh, uh, Jesus. yeah, so I'm taking a little break and then, uh, back in the saddle. I, I'm not quite sure. A couple of things in development, but not quite sure where I'll go with them. That's awesome, man. I, we'll have you back on if you ever want to talk about them. Uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for doing this. Cool. Well, I appreciate uh, the time too. It was fun. Nice talking to you guys. Men or women, this one's for you. Let me take a second to talk to you about GORUCK. Now, you've heard us on this show talk about their awesome endurance events, which are you know great for fitness and team building, but of course, they are known for their amazing gear. Some of the best gear in the world, actually. I myself own a GR1 rucksack for all my rucking and training. I also have one of their 30-pound uh, ruck plates, which is so convenient because I could just drop it in the laptop compartment on my bag, and I have a weighted ruck. It's super cool. But one of my all time favorite things that they offer are their sandbags. Now, if you've never trained with a sandbag, you're in for a treat. I love that you can keep it in the trunk of your car and take it to the park and you have a gym anywhere. Ever try doing sandbag man makers with 60 pounds? 
I mean, you get a fun and very hard training session in really quickly. Um, it's a big bag of suck in all the right ways. Now, even if you're not in the rucking, they have tons of sleek apparel for the outdoors in addition to their gear uh, that is tough as nails and built to military standards. Also, their apparel and gear offer their scars a lifetime warranty, so you buy the item once and that's it. You're set for life. But you know what the greatest thing is about GORUCK? All of it is made in the good old USA and by special forces veterans, mind you. It doesn't get more badass than that. That's right. America. To check out GORUCK gear, go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash GORUCK, and anything you buy through that link helps support the show. That's gentlemanscofflaw.com slash GORUCK. Whether it's for your fitness regimen, your, you know, your outdoor lifestyle, or just, you know, a great bag for everyday carry, um, you're going to want to check them out. GORUCK, built in the USA. All right. Um, that was a great interview with uh, Jesse James Miller there. And, and Walker, thanks so much for your contribution to that, because you know a lot about that era of punk. So it was, it was good having your insight on that. Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun. I love. I really do like his film. Um, and I really think that he's a, a much better person to make that movie than I am, because as you could tell, I'm pretty much a fanboy. So, you know, I start <laughs> when I start talking about this stuff, I sound like exactly the kind of person who these musicians don't want to talk to. So <laughs> I think, uh, I think Jesse probably was, a um, a relief for them to talk to because he has this kind of aloofness, you know, he said he didn't, he didn't really kind of grow up listening to a lot of that music. So I'm sure they appreciated it. Yeah. Um, but no, that was a lot of fun. Uh, he's, he's a talented filmmaker for sure. Definitely. Um, and his film was great. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead and check it out on Epics if you uh, haven't. You can get a free trial too to Epics. That's what that's what I did at first. Yeah. That's how I watched it. Yep. Now I just have to remember to shut that subscription down before <laughs> it is. This, this episode. I'm gonna have not to set like seven alarms to yeah. be like, go go cancel Epics. <laughs> this episode. Yeah. This this episode not brought to you by Epics. I have to do that every year <laughs> when we like try to watch the Oscars. We don't have real cable or whatever. <laughs> like. Get the CBS subscription, oh, yeah, yeah. and then you forget to cancel. Oh, yeah. I got charged a and then, second. And month. then you watch the Oscars, and you realize it was never even worth it. To begin with. <laughs> it's never worth yeah. having to cancel it uh, to begin with. Um, all right. Uh, by the way, we're going to be in Phoenix um, for the Big Shave Southwest. Yeah. Um, we'll be doing a live show there, which will be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, Are you gonna shave your beard, Jordan? I am. That's what I'm going to do. He, I'm going to do thinking, it there. Yeah, we're thinking of having like uh, an actual barber like do a, a straight razor shave on him. It's gotten too gnarly, but I know that I've been holding it, like waiting for it. So I've been like, all right, I'm going to let it go another couple of weeks and Is then it, just get rid of it. In the summer, I mean, I got. I have to assume I've never like grown like a beard like yours. Like in the summer, it has to get pretty like hot, right? Like it has to kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like it has to get kind of uh, yeah. annoying. Yeah, but you know what also is annoying for me? When I've shaved and then I go out in the hot like heat and then sweat, it like it burns my face. Huh. <laughs> I don't know if that's a you thing anybody consult, else does. You should consult with somebody at the at the Big Shave West. <laughs> Seriously, like you should ask like what like what can I do? Like yeah. because I'm sure it's what you're using or maybe you need an after yeah. like a product to put on after. Yeah, I got to get that's some, a, we should interview somebody. Some products from uh, Phoenix Shaving, which by the way, this month if you go to on our Instagram profile, we're giving away a uh, Phoenix Shaving after shaving cologne. Uh, Vloyd is the, Vloyd. the, the, uh, the scent profile the Viking, uh, this month, the, the Viking, Viking, which 
I, I think it was a limited edition because it's no longer listed on their website. So if you want it, you have to go on there I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, enter the giveaway. I'm going to get it because I need, I need a new, I need oh, no. new scent. Or Donovan's going to take it. So yeah. Um, yeah. quick race. <laughs> also, Donovan, where can people support the show? Uh, you can find us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can also find us on our website where you can buy merch, which includes flasks and pint glasses and mugs t-shirts and after next week can we buy the remnants of jordan's beard this is it will be boxed up and it will be auctioned off yeah yeah it's limited edition red just a fluff of red it'll be part of our patreon package yeah so oh speaking of patreon you can also find us on patreon where we have extras we have different uh, outtakes of shows that we don't include in the regular episodes and we also have movie reviews and uh, we're going to be working on other things to add to the Patreon. So yeah, please check soon. it out regularly. Check that out. Regularly. Walker, where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you? Dude, you got you to gotta skip across the Atlantic and hunt me down Lawrence <laughs> of Arabia style. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm underground these days. Um, you can find my books on Amazon under my name, Walker Lamond. I got a couple of them on there. Got a new book coming out pretty soon, so look out for it. This one's a novel. It's mostly set for younger readers, but um, if there's a lot of dumb people out there, you it might be right up your alley, you know, <laughs> right, your, your reading level. Um, but uh, yeah, Amazon is a good way to find me. You can find some of my some of my work there, and I'm around. <laughs> we'll put a link nice. in the show notes, nice. uh, direct link to do yeah. his work and his books. Since you're <laughs> clearly not uh, don't want to promote your. Yeah. Your own stuff. If you're dumber than a kid. Uh, rules like. for my unborn son. Great, uh, great little uh, yeah. little read. It's a great uh, one to have on the coffee table or on the toilet, you know? For- yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That's, that's the best place to. Yeah. And we'll post a link to the last episode where we talked about that with Walker last time. Sweet. Um. All right. Uh, Walker, you are a gentleman and a scofflaw, my friend. Thank you guys for having me. I always have fun talking with you guys. Donovan, you are a gentleman and a scoffle, my friend. As are you. Thank you. Right, you guys have a great week. This has been the Gentleman Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, it's ice on the river. We ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold. Can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do. Huh. Captain says, "Cause I saw the river, we ain't getting home if we don't break through." So damn cold, I can't help but shiver.